What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Halftime Snacks podcast. This show features short interviews that you can listen during the halftime of your favorite sports events. Every Tuesday, I host fun conversations with talented people in the sports industry, where we'll learn from their stories, knowledge, and experiences. So go grab your favorite snack and come snack with us. Are you ready? Let's go. Today's episode features an expert in high-performance sports events, strategy, and venue operations. Our guest has been involved in sports as an elite athlete, instructor, and strategist throughout his life. His experience includes advising Adidas, venue management for the Euro 2020, operations for the FIFA World Cup of 2022, and more projects worldwide. I'm confident that this will be a fun and entertaining episode, so go grab some snacks and join us. Ladies and gentlemen, Paul Astley. <laughs> what an introduction. Thank you very much. No, Paul, thank you for uh, accepting my invitation to join me in a conversation uh, you know, on the Halftime Snacks. Let's kick it off with a fun icebreaker. Uh, and the one I have for you, Paul, uh, is the following. If you could hang out with, with any fictional character... Who would you choose and why? Oh, man. I thought you were going to ask me the easy one about what's your favorite ice cream flavor. And I, I, I know the answer to that one <laughs> right away. Fictional character. Um, I, I think it would probably be one of, the, uh, one of the Marvel characters, actually. Probably, probably Deadpool. Is, is that Marvel or is it DC? I'm, mm. I'm, I'm not too sure. I think it's Marvel, I think yeah. It's Marvel, yeah. I mean, I Dead, it, Deadpool is such a yeah. funny guy, and, and the character and the, the films are so entertaining. So I think that would be quite, um, quite a good, uh, quite a good laugh, actually. Yeah, actually, he's he's hilarious, and and I think it would be a really good one. I I didn't thought about him, uh, but it's a good one that you that you chose, Paul. Um, let's talk a little bit more about maybe you and your background, mm -hmm. um, and. You've been working in sports planning, event or organization, logistics, operations and everything. Um, I wonder if you maybe can just in one or two minutes define exactly what the culture of the people and the companies that plan, operate and organize those type of events are. What is the culture? What people work uh, like? What's the, what's the, the, the language and, and the vibe and the environment? Mm -hmm. Just tell us about the culture. Yeah, that, that, that's a really good question. I mean, I've, I've worked um, out of the UK more than I have in the UK. So I've worked in the Middle East um, and now more recently in Germany, back back in Europe. And and certainly the, the projects that I've been involved with, probably we've got, I've got one common sort of denominator in the people and that's um, and that's that's passion and the energy to, to get the job done. You know, with, with, with major events, it's obviously... It, it, a very defined project with a very defined endpoint, which is obviously the delivery of the event. Um, and and certainly all the events that I've worked on, the people have been absolutely dedicated to making sure the event runs well um, and and is successful. So I think I think that that's that's probably essentially the, the one common uh, common theme throughout all of these events is is just the passion and the and the determination to to make the event work and to be successful. How about you take us back to that first moment in your career that you, you can remember, of course, when you first kind of like encountered that culture and you were 100% sure that that matched your personality in one way or another? You, you know what? I, I know I, I remember that um, 
that that time so well because it was it was in 2005 uh, when I joined the organizing committee for the Asian Games in Qatar and the Asian Games were going to be held in 2006 and and for those that you know the Asian Games and, and many people don't know the Asian Games but it's a it's a massive event it's it's only second pretty much to um, to the Olympics in terms of the number of athletes um, and I joined the organizing committee and from day one I was just amazed again by by the passion of the people the the the, the values um, the ability as well in terms of the expertise and the knowledge and I was just blown away by the energy in the office every single day and 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 going into these planning meetings and you you, you know with major events also you go through planning cycles where revisions are done at the venues and the and the process and, and the and the and the planning manuals and every single meeting was just high energy let's get this thing done there were very few um conflicts if you want to call them that or arguments it was it was and, and i know it sounds corny and and cliche but it was real teamwork all the way through and 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 then of course when you the event um it, in a way that's a bit of an anti-climax because you've been working towards that Point for you know a couple of years pretty much full time the event comes along it takes a month to get through it's all finished and then you go into the uh, the post event blues and uh, and certainly i know about that that and, and my wife knows about that as well because it hits me every single time <laughs> <laughs> yeah so this is something actually i wanted to discuss with you um so events when we're talking about events most people just think about the time that's happening, the, the, the duration of the event, right? For instance, the Olympics is a little bit less than a month uh -huh. or a month, and uh, the World Cup is also a month. Uh -huh. But from the other side, from, from your side, from planning it and, and organizing and operations and everything, it takes a lot more. So probably the event itself is just a very, very tiny piece of the roadmap along you know what what's happening in in, in the plan and, and, and in everything mm. that's going yes. on um so i wonder if you could just give us you know the roadmap how does it look like for planning and organizing a major sports competition mm. uh, from the bird's eye view you know from 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 the top how exactly do you do you think about what like how much time it, it's needed for each stage mm. and you know where do you think you 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 you'll need to put most of your energy or your focus what are the most like important things just guide us through the roadmap of what uh the the whole process mm. looks like before during and after yeah um it, it's 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 a difficult one to sort of define um in, in a general way because it really depends on on a the the country where the event might be taking place um the resources the country has and the and, and also obviously the event itself. So, I mean, for, for a major event um, in terms of the bidding process that goes on for, it, it could be 10 years plus before the event itself. Um, so as you may have seen, um, Saudi Arabia has just um, made their intention clear for Expo 2030. Um, so that's nine years out um, and they will start to be putting a team together now in order to get the, the, the pre-bid done and the, and the bidding documents written. And then I, I guess probably from about, um, you know, what, once, once they've been, or once the country or city have been confirmed as the host for that event, um, then it's, it's full speed ahead in terms of getting an operational team together. And, and that sort of ramps up anywhere from six years out um, and then sort of gains pace up to sort of two, two years, 18 months out of the event itself. 
And then I guess within within the last 18 months of the event, that's where you start to get the people on the ground in the offices doing their planning um, and, and really putting putting the detail into the into the operational manuals and and making sure everything's going to go right and and then you know as as you said Ron is is completely true that the event itself is actually quite a minor part of the whole process because it you know the 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 guys in the office have been planning it for so many years in some cases um, and they've rehearsed it um, either, you know, um, on uh, through tabletop exercises or, or actual rehearsals itself. They've gone through the the, the planning manuals with a with a toothpick, um, and then all of a sudden the event comes and it's oh okay, hopefully it runs fine, <laughs> you know. And um, I mean we had a few challenges at the at the Euros back in June July in in, in Munich. Um, but these sort of challenges do come up but you know hopefully it runs fine and it actually sort of goes through and then and that and then that's it and then all of a sudden you know the closing ceremony comes along and uh it goes from you know 100 miles an hour to zero overnight <laughs> so, so that's 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 the that's the tricky part uh paul i'm i'm, I'm very curious um to ask you what do you think or how valuable it really is to know how to manage and work with other people and, and be able to <clears throat> trust other people? I guess that when it comes mm. to such macro events, it is really a lot about delegating and allowing others to do other things that you trust them that they will execute. So I wonder if there's specific like types of work that you are excellent at doing and you don't really go um out of that limit and do and execute it and also like like tell me i want to know if you can if you can mm. tell us a little bit about that you know element of trusting others to do their job and deliver you know on time and everything mm. like how's that dynamic inside the planning and the whole operation behind it yeah yeah i i, I think that's that's sort of one of the major differences between working in events where there's a definite um uh, project end which is obviously the event um as opposed to working in a in a large corporation which i'm doing now at, at, at adidas it's it's a very different um it's a very different atmosphere um, and and as you said, which is 100% correct, Ronan, is 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 the trust you place on your people with major events. The trust has to be there, and the space has to be there for them to do their jobs. Um, and then, of course, the support from the from the from the leadership has to be there for the people to do their to do their work with with the events, because you don't have time to manage and to. I guess develop is the wrong word, but you don't have time to go through this sort of um, developmental stage with staff because they should be pretty much, um, you know, um, on point as soon as they as soon as they arrive at the event. Um, so it's 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 a, it's a difficult one. I, I think that the the organising committees I've worked for have all had really good people in, within their functional areas. Um, they've had uh, experts within their own rights, so they've got the abilities to uh, go out and start planning and, and operating the event from zero. And really, the leadership is really there to um, to, to keep an overview, uh, you know, a, a bird's eye view on 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 the operations and, and on the processes. 
Um, they're there to shake hands with the delegates and the VIPs and do all the nice sort of entertaining hospitality stuff. Yeah. But, but really, the, the, the people on the ground, you know, should have been given the, the space um, and the empowerment to, to go ahead and do their job. Uh, with, with large corporations and, and, and sort of long-term, long-term jobs, if you, if you want to call them that, career mm-hmm. jobs, um, that does happen, but it's a much slower process. You know, and, and, and people are given space, but it's, it's, it, it, it feels different to project work. It feels different to major events. It's, it's nowhere near as, as exciting. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> um, I don't know if you watched this, uh, this documentary on Netflix called Fire Festival, which is about a specific event that was supposed to happen in the Bahamas, I believe, uh, about this fest- EDM festival or something, and everything yeah. went wrong. Yeah. Planning was so bad. Marketing was great, but planning was so bad. Uh, and, of course, it was a disaster. I wonder if you have, like, a similar experience. Not that it ended in a disaster, right? That probably is, like, the most extreme example. Uh, by the way, if you guys haven't heard uh, of that documentary, I do recommend it. It's super interesting. But... Paul, I wonder if there's any specific story that you have or that you can tell us or an experience that kind of like things w- were not working at all or were about to, you know, become catastrophic and, and a disaster. And, and I wonder if you can share with us like how you reacted or how exactly the, the, the team uh, saved the, the event from becoming, you know, an ap- absolute disaster or something similar. Is there anything that you can think about real quick that uh, remind you of a similar story? Um, there, there is, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll need to be a little bit careful with the details, like I give away. But I was, I was involved with a, with a very large um, event in Saudi Arabia a couple of years ago, um, and it was in Riyadh, and it was one of these events that hadn't really been hosted before by, um, by the Saudis. Um, and, and for those listeners that have been to Saudi Arabia, you, you can, you can sort of appreciate what I'm going to say because, you know, 10 years ago Saudi was, was a very closed. Um, well, yeah, I guess closed control society. It's now opening up hugely. There's still a lot of improvements to be done in terms of human rights and all this sort of stuff. But but it is it is heading in the right direction. Um, and I was involved in an event there where we just didn't expect the number of people to come. And we had um, we were hosting a number of um, uh, concerts, music concerts, and also sporting events as well. And the music concerts had, uh, you know, stars like Pitbull, um, Lil Wayne, and these sort of sort of hardcore artists, if you want to call them that. And we had um, 60,000 young Saudi uh, um, youths, um, young people, if you want to call them that, you know, 20 to 30 year olds. Um, and they descended on us and, and we just weren't prepared for sort of the arrival profile of these of these um, uh, of the ticket holders. Um, and we, we came to a point where the entrances, uh, where we do the security checks, we're getting overrun. So, so luckily we had some really good experienced um, crowd control guys on our team. Um, and we came up with a, with a contingency plan very quickly. The local authorities were ultra, ultra cooperative, which again was a surprise to me, but, but the local um, security services were fantastic. Uh, and we all co- worked together and, and, you know, luckily no one was hurt or injured. And actually, probably the spectators didn't even notice that we were scrambling behind the scenes. Um, they had a little bit of a delay getting in, but, uh, but we got everyone in and out very quickly. But um, that was a really hairy moment. It was really hairy. <laughs> 
it's it's interesting how the team behind the event I probably think that they don't get enough credit, right? Because they're really doing an awesome job and, and even, you know, making this not even look like it, it was something that, you know, came out of nowhere or happened out of a sudden. Um, they still managed. I mean, you guys still managed to, to figure it out. And I feel like, I feel like it happens more times that we even imagine in events mm. that we attend, like games that we go and, and concerts and stuff, but we don't even realize it because the event planning and the operations behind it are just so good at reacting and having, you know, contingency plans and everything. Um, so, and that takes actually takes me to the, to, to the next topic that I want to discuss with you, Paul, which is COVID. COVID-19, the pandemic, uh, this one was totally, you know, unexpected and of course brought challenges uh, to, to events that we weren't expecting, you know, right, like, uh, like social distancing and how to keep the, 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 the mm. facilities clean and everything. I wonder if you can share with us maybe the inside look of how that went, went on for, um, for the people organizing and the operations and logistics be behind events. Are there any things, two or mm -hmm. three challenges that you can share with us that maybe fans or, ex or spectators may not think existed in live events during the pandemic? And if, and mm -hmm. if you can think of those, uh, maybe also share with us how you yeah. guys went about and solved those those challenges yeah covid that's the the subject of the last couple of years i think for all of us isn't it <laughs> i think all of us are, are now near experts on this um it, yeah it's, it's a good question and 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 a lot of planning goes on behind the scenes i was i was involved with um with a project in in qatar writing uh, a manual for the um world cup for Qatar 2022, in terms of reintroducing spectators to events, and not only the World Cup, but also other events within Qatar. So, so the, the company I was contracted with, um, we we wrote, a, we called it a playbook, which was um, a a manual, an operational manual, a planning manual, um, and it documented how they should be integrating COVID measures within within their planning so it's not the most exciting of subjects but it's it's very it's very relevant um and and a few of the the, the challenges that we came across was we, we we finished the project um when was it in december december 2020 um we handed over the manual to the client uh we were then due to do some online courses and seminars um and that was due to happen in february march time by the time we got to march the manual was out of date. So that's one challenge. Um, because the situation was, was changing so quickly, uh, we pretty much had to update the manual on the spot and, and, and make it relevant for the time that we were talking about. So that, that's, that's a challenge in terms of the, the changing situation. Um, the, the other one that, that maybe spectators or uh, attendees at events don't realize is that, that a lot of planning goes on, not only at the event itself, but also in terms of the customer journey. So, so how they get from the house um, on public transport, um, where they walk, where, the, where the, the, the physical distancing might take place, uh, where possible touch points are, and all that is planned out from pretty much where they, when they leave the house. So for example, in Qatar, we were talking to the Metro provider and the bus providers, taxi, Uber, 
Um, it has other names in Qatar as well. Uber is one of them. And we were talking to them about reducing capacities, reducing the train times and all this sort of stuff that actually people don't realize is going on. Um, in, in conjunction with that, there was a lot of nudging going on in terms of messaging, subliminal messaging for, for spectators. And that was due, you know, that, that was anything from, you know, obvious stuff like remember to, to wash your hands, keep physical distance and all the rest of it, but also um, more sort of uh, subtle messaging which would, in effect, stretch out stretch out the people walking into the stadium, the ingress and the egress um, of the venue. You know, keeping entertainment going on after, for example, a football match, instead of everyone standing up and going, um, having entertainment going on. So, so to to slow the slow the egress down. So, th there's a lot of those sort of subtleties going on behind the scenes that 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 non-event people wouldn't even realise. They they would just think, hey, this is part of the show. This is great. You know, they got entertainment. They got films going on at giant screens. Well, actually, it's a tactic to slow the uh, egress down. But you know. Amongst us who uh, worked on events before, you know, people would would, would spot that from a, from a mile off. So, yeah. So I'm I'm going I'm going to go out and and put out a bold statement. You correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels like event planners and operational managers like yourself are also kind of like brand developers and people that you know through the customer journey build a specific association in the in the customer or the fans brain mm -hmm. that will relate it to the to the brand eventually and and probably you can share with us maybe a little bit more about your your experience with adidas which i feel is, is might be relevant for this specific point like how closely do you work with like brand managers with adidas for for your work there maybe share also a little bit of what you do there with them and how you you think about this you know customer journey experience uh i understand that probably you 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 are with them assessing them on on the, the journey on the stores and everything that happens uh on 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 uh, stores worldwide so maybe share with us uh what you do with adidas how that relates or how do you work with brand managers for that specific case and uh yeah just just share with us uh, yeah. maybe uh, extra points that come to mind sure, yeah um the my, my my role with adidas now is has gone off a bit of a tangent i must admit um i'm i'm now with with what we call adidas protection which is um we we take care of obviously the physical security of 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 the premises but also we take care of event security um travel management crisis management um, and, and these sort of aspects. So, so I, I'm, I'm the first one to admit I'm not a brand specialist. I'm, I'm not a marketing specialist. I'm, I'm very much um, uh, an operational event um, specialist. But, but do you see the connection sure. between brand yeah. marketing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, it, for sure. I, or, I mean, I was, was I wrong? No, or, no, or this, there no, is... no there's, a, there's a huge connection. Okay. And, and I think, you know, someone in my position um, needs to know certainly the basics, but we also need to appreciate that, that the brand of the event or the brand of the product um, is, is number one. And, and, and that has to be protected, mm -hmm. you know, all the way through the process. Uh, if you if you don't have um, if you don't have a good brand standing within within the market, then then obviously customers will go elsewhere, uh, and that's the same exactly the same for the event as well. So as as a as an operational planner, 
we're always looking at what the customer would see, what the spectator would see, what the the the, the retail customer would see, and and that's that's the that's the face on the community, that's the face on the world. What actually happens behind the scenes, they shouldn't even be seeing or or have knowledge of. Um, so so my role with Adidas is really to to help the other departments, the, 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 which includes the brand management department as well, and and all the other markets to make sure that what they portray is backed up by a safe process um, in terms of the staff being safe, um, the, 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 the visitors being safe, and, and obviously the customers as well, and, they, and coming out with a, with a decent experience. But, um, but sorry, Ronan, I'm not, I'm not a brand person, <laughs> <laughs> as you probably realize. <laughs> maybe, maybe you are in very specific ways, meaning that on the side probably that Adidas wants to be a a place a safe place that that's probably also related to the brand so you are part of like you're responsible of building that for for them if that makes any yeah, sense I'd, so I, I would associate that with the yeah brand. for sure I, I think um I think everyone who works for Adidas which I think is you know probably about between 50 and 60 thousand people worldwide we're we're all brand ambassadors you know we we all represent the right, brand and, correct. and and that's what what every day we need to remember, whether we like the corporate um, machine or not, or whether we like the hype of Adidas or hype of Nike or hype of yeah. whatever it might be. You know that's that's part of our role. And and you know and yeah. and when we step out, you know, I'm wearing Adidas clothing now. But when we step out <laughs> in in the world wide world, we we need to be an ambassador for the brand. Um, and that's Correct. and that's really important. Yeah, I just I just feel like probably you are since you're like on the experiential side of the brand or of the event itself. Just going back also on on your work on the Euro and everything mm. uh, for for also FIFA. Like since you're in the experiential side, like those subtleties that you were mentioning, those are like kind of like key to 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 create impressions because they're just so vivid on the the eyes of the fan and on the customer that I think that it creates an interesting impact. Um, and I, I want to jump maybe a little bit on, on the technology side of uh, operations and logistics behind uh, sporting mm -hmm. events. Uh, you've been, you, you mentioned uh, you started uh, in, in, in operations in 2005 uh, when you mentioned that, that story at the beginning. Uh, yeah. Have you seen, how have you seen <clears throat> technology evolve the operations mm -hmm. and logistics sides of sporting events you, you wouldn't believe how it's progressed in the last 15 20 years it's <laughs> unbelievable i mean we're, we're going back to the asian games in 2005 2006 you know what, what one of the things i remember is uh, are these planning meetings with i don't know maybe 20 30 people from each of the function areas so you'd have transport security protocols ceremonies whoever it might be around a table and we would have these these a0 paper cads of the of the venue on the table of each level so maybe you'd have i don't know eight or nine cads on the on the table and everyone would be pouring over them and making adjustments and pencil marks the venue manager who is sort of the overall coordinator would be taking down notes like crazy you know a week or two later the, um, the, the, the adjustments you come back and review them again so now what, what's happening nowadays and and what happened at the euros is is they have some great electronic um, tools where that had processed um, with on your laptop or on your iPad or on your phone even where you could have the plans for the um, for the venue 
on your on on your laptop and you could change them well certain people could change them who have rights but you could change the you know the the uh, the location of a barricade you could change the location of a of a traffic cone or or a signage element or a, a marketing element or whatever it might be and you do it electronically and everyone sees it real time so that's a really simple example of how it's progressed. You know, we we didn't um, at the Euros in Munich. We I don't think we printed out. We well, we didn't print out any any CADs nowadays. You know, it's all done electronically um, or online um, on on the cloud. So that that's that's one big um, that's one big step up from uh, from when I first went into the industry. And I'm sure a lot of the listeners would be able to appreciate that, and and they would have examples like that as well no i feel like the 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 elements of collaboration and like all the technology that helps us work with uh, other people and align other people in like the goals and things that you are currently working i mean because event planning is just a work that involves just so many people and and everyone has to like be aligned like keeping everyone aligned on 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 like the mm. same ideas and 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 concepts that you guys are planning I guess that, that that is a big leap that you probably appreciate more than anyone else out there, right? Yeah, yeah. And and I think that's that's the biggest challenge is is keeping the the event team, as you say, aligned and, and updated constantly. And 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 now we can do it electronically in real time. It's just such a such a leap forward, you can believe. It's it's fantastic. And um uh you know, you, you, I could walk around the Allianz Arena in Munich with my phone. And look at the CADs on my phone, um, and 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 look to see where each of the elements were placed. And um, rather than going around the the stadium with a with a huge piece of paper in my hands, <laughs> and obviously it's it's more environmentally friendly as well, right? That's, yeah, uh, that's, that's also true. Mille <laughs> millennials will appreciate it. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Um, man, it's been it's been such a fun time with you. We've been learning so much about event planning, developments, operations, the whole thing going going on behind, how it relates to brands, uh, how to how do you guys prevent cat catastrophes like uh, fire festival and like how it may happen but people don't realize it, and that takes you know a lot of credit. And uh, I, I'm sure that uh, you guys you know des deserve it. Um, I, I can't leave without asking you, Paul. A probably more more personal question uh just to get you get to know you a little bit closer uh okay so what 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 would be the first thing you do if you if you'd be elected president or i guess that in, you're in germany that's prime minister tomorrow is there what what would be the first 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 thing that you would do oh man god i could i could be very controversial or i could play it safe um If if I'm going to be controversial, I'd I'd get everyone vaccinated. Um, but if I was going to play safe, oh, I don't know. I I think I think I mean I'm not German, but I think the Germans have overall done quite a good job over the last uh, 10 or 15 years or so. Um, I'm I'm not into politics. Um, live and let live. That's that's my motto. So, um, <laughs> but I th I think I think uh, yeah I think with this COVID it needs to be it needs to be tackled in a different way. Um, when I was in Qatar, they 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 did it in a very straightforward way because they could because people had to adhere to the rules that the government were coming out with. In Europe and Germany, it's a different uh, it's a different um, case altogether, um, and it's. It's, it's like uh, treading on eggshells, as we, as we call it here, with, 
with people's rights and which is which is still very really important um however i just feel with with covid it just needs to be uh, tackled in a slightly different way thank you very much for tuning in if you enjoy this episode hit the subscribe button and leave a review on apple podcasts if you enjoy learning about the business and technology behind sports make sure you subscribe to the sports tech biz newsletter I'll leave the link in the show notes. See you all next week. Bye-bye.